0: Amen, it's good to be here tonight. Tonight I want to preach a message called Rise and Go, Arise and Go. It's hard to go when you're sitting down, amen? You got to stand up if you want to go anywhere, amen? And so we're going to see some passages in the Bible tonight where it says exactly that, Arise and Go, Get Up and Go. And what happens is we have too many people sitting around expecting other people to do the Lord's work, and it never gets done. We need people that will stand up and go, and go do the work that needs to be done. Uh, A few years ago, uh, a new missionary came to Mexico, and uh, his name is Adam. And we were going to go to a pastor's conference with other fellow missionaries, and we had a special speaker come down, and I invited Adam to go with us because he was new on the field. We got there to the conference, and we introduced Brother Adam to the other missionaries that were there, and my jaw almost dropped because everyone clapped. They clapped because uh, it's rare for new missionaries to come to the mission field, and they were excited about Brother Adam being there. Isn't that sad? Uh, <laughs> Sometimes uh, when I was on deputation trying to raise support to go to Mexico, this back in 1997 and into 1998, so I would call, you know, wanting to come and pre- present the ministry and uh, was seeking support to go to Mexico, and sometimes the pastors would say, oh, we already support a missionary to Mexico. Well... <laughs> You know, I had come from Mexico, I'm a, missionary, I'm a missionary kid, I had come from there and I knew what the situation was like there, boots on the ground, and the fact that you support one missionary to a country of 130 million people, that's like sending one soldier to this war that's going on between Ukraine and Russia and hoping you win. <laughs> See, we need more people to get up and go. Mexico is still 83% Catholic. And you know, they're not saved. They they don't even read the Bible. They don't pretend they're Christians in Mexico. Here in the States, you can ask a Catholic if he's a Christian. A lot of times they'll say yes. And they believe they are. In Mexico, none, none of the Catholics believe they're Christians. They say, no, we're not Christians. We're Catholic. Which they're speaking the truth, they're not Christians. If, <laughs> and it's not, but if Catholicism was the right religion that had the truth, they could never convince me of it. <clears throat> so I grew up down there, saw the behavior of the people, and still see the behavior of the people that are Catholic. They would never convince me to be Catholic just by. The way they act, by the way they live, by the way they talk, by their actions. Arise and go. Who will get up and go? When I read the Bible uh, and I see that God's calling someone to serve Him, you know, a lot of times He doesn't call the people that are sitting down, <clears throat> That's right. yeah. he, call, he calls people that are already working. And we see some, I want to see some examples of that. Let's go to the book of Judges. And we're going to find Gideon there in the book of Judges in chapter 7. No, we're going to go to chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And beginning in verse 11. Before I read, I want to tell you about another experience we had this year. We're able to go. I took my whole family with me, and we went to Colombia, South America. Uh, we t- also took a young lady from our church. She graduated from our Bible Institute, and uh, I wanted her—I wanted her to see the mission field, and wanted it to be a blessing to her, to her and her life. And so, five of us went down to Colombia, and so we landed in Bogota, which is the capital. And then uh, we, we, they picked us up there and we drove two hours north to the, to the city of Tunja, which is in the, in the state. They don't call them states down there, they call them departments. But in the state of Boyacá, where we went to stay and I was invited to preach a missions conference, in that whole state, there are only four independent Baptist churches in that whole state. And here we are just sitting around, just sitting around. Enjoying church and amen, enjoying the fellowship, and but who's gonna who's gonna rise and go? The missionary that we went to visit is a Mexican missionary who who we support, and he started two out of the four churches in that state. If he hadn't have gone, there would only be, probably be two, two churches, two independent Baptist churches in a whole state. Yes. Why? Because no one's arising and no one's going. We're all too happy sitting around. I think that was the case in Jerusalem, and the Lord had to allow persecution so to make the people uncomfortable. And when they spread out of Jerusalem, you know what they did? If you read the book of Acts, they went about preaching the gospel. So what will it take America for America to rise up and go? God might need to make you a little uncomfortable here in your in your situation. <laughs> make your situation a little more uncomfortable so someone's willing to rise and go. I hope it doesn't come to that. It wouldn't have to come to that if you'll just get up and go. And so we were very saddened by the fact that they're in the state of, they call it Departamento de Boyacá. There are only four independent Baptist churches. But something even sadder, even more sad, I was going to say sadder, I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> but something even more sad was that in many of the departments or states in Colombia, there's not even one independent Baptist church. That's really sad. And who's going to go? Oh no, we think Columbia's a dangerous country, we can't go down there. The safest place for you is right in the center of God's will, no matter where you are on the face of this planet. So, before we get into reading here in the book of Judges, I want to go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house tonight. Lord, I thank you for this church, for this congregation. And we come before you tonight, Lord. Asking that you would bless the teens as they travel down to to camp this this week. We pray that you will prepare their hearts to receive your word. And I pray that they'll receive it with meekness. And that the Holy Spirit would have freedom in each and every heart and each and every life. And we pray, Lord, that you'll do the work that's necessary in the hearts of the teens this week at camp. We understand the importance of camps, and Lord, I pray that you'll be at work at the camp down there at Silver State this week, and that you'll bless the preachers, Lord, and that the teens will hear exactly what they need to hear, and I pray that they'll come home changed. And Lord, maybe some of them will rise and go, but help their families, Lord, to support the decisions they make down there and to be supportive of their teens if God calls them into full-time ministry. And truly, there's not a higher calling. There's not a a better line of work than serving you, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'll be with us here tonight and that your Holy Spirit will have, would have freedom and liberty here, here at Liberty, to work in each and every heart and life and I pray that you'll bless your word tonight, that it would not return void, but that you would accomplish your purpose in each heart and in, in each life tonight, and please be with me, Lord, and use me for your honor and glory, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at a few passages where God called someone to come serve him, but they were already at work, and that's typically what I see happening in, in the scriptures, because you know what? God doesn't honor laziness. God doesn't honor laziness. And you know what we have today? We have a generation of lazy people. You know what the average is for people to be on their cell phones? On a six hours a day. Used to be TV six hours a day. Now it's cell phones six hours a day. And some teens are on their phones much longer than that, Here at camp, not this year but last year, one of the teens was talking to one of the pastors that helps us out at camp, and he said that he was on his cell phone like 18 hours a day. We heard teens complaining about the price of camp because we had to raise the price because inflation is is taking place in Mexico as well, and so teens eat a lot, (laughs) amen, And so the food prices went up, and we were forced to raise the price at camp, and they were complaining about the price. But we also overheard them talking about putting $25 uh, on their cell phones so they could play video games. The cost of camp is about $50. They weren't complaining about all the money they were spending on video games but they are complaining about the price of camp. That's sad. And so when you're on your cell phone 18 hours a day, I'm sorry, but you're lazy. And so what's the title of this message? Arise and go. And let's look here in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. Gideon, the sixth judge. And there came an angel of the Lord, and we know, well, I believe it's an apparition of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the Old Testament. They have fancy words for that, a theophany, <laughs> but it's just the Lord Jesus Christ showing up in the Old Testament. That's what I believe. And sat under an oak, which was an ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon. Thresh wheat at, by the wine press. Now, is that a normal place to thresh your wheat? No, normally it'd be the threshing floor, right? But they had to hide. They had to hide because, uh, the remember, the Midianites would come and take all their food away. And this was happening every year at the time of harvest. They would come and steal all their food, so Gideon was hiding he wasn't threshing the weed out on the threshing floor because that might be a place where he could be seen. So he was doing it secretly, they still had to eat. So they had to hide some food away from the enemy who would come steal all their food at the time of harvest and also steal their herds of animals. And so Israel was going into further and further into poverty. You like poverty? And that's, that's how we find the situation here with Gideon threshing wheat on the, by the winepress uh, to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And, and maybe Gideon didn't feel that way, he was hiding. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. But the truth is, they forsook him. They forsook him. How many people are just quitting church today? That's sad. Oh, I'm not going anymore. And so easily offended. Remember to keep your eyes on the Lord, not on other people. Other people will fail us, but God never fails us. You come to worship the Lord. You come to hear from the Lord. And stay faithful. It says, but now the Lord hath forsaken us. No, they're they're looking at it wrong. In the Bible, he says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that's in Joshua chapter 1 and in Hebrews chapter 13. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And in Joshua chapter 1, he was talking to Joshua in in the book of Hebrews. That's for all of us. Amen. Amen. And so here when the Lord came to Gideon, how did what was Gideon doing? Working. I've got some more for you. Let's go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. You might say, "Brother Jones, I'm not lazy." I'm not on my cell phone 18 hours a day. day. And that may be true. But a lot of us are working for the wrong master. A lot of people today live only for themselves. The flesh is in charge. And you're just serving the flesh. That's the old man that the Bible tells us to put away. Put away the old man. And you need to be clothed with the new man. A lot of people are serving the old man. Whatever the flesh desires, that's what they're working toward. That's what they're working for. Just to provide for the desires of the flesh, you're serving the wrong master. Yeah, you're a hard worker. But you're serving the wrong master. In the Bible... It says that no man can serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other, or love that one, and hate the other, despise the other. It says, for no man can love God and mammon. What's that? Riches. A lot of people are serving riches. Oh, they're hard workers because they want that almighty dollar. Because <laughs> they like what they can do with it. You're serving the wrong master. We need to serve the Lord. And uh, he, he's looking for people who are already working. Let's go to 1 Kings 19 and verse 16. And we're going to read from verse 16. We're, then we're going to jump to verse 19 and read through verse 21. And here, these are instructions that that God is giving to Elijah. Because remember, Elijah fled and he was afraid that Jezebel was going to take his life. After being so brave and killing 400 prophets, well, there were 400 and then 450 of the other. And uh, so I'm not sure exactly how many heads he cut off that day. But that's a brave man, that's a bold man. Then all of a sudden he's running from the wicked queen. Afraid of one single woman. Now, of course she had a lot of authority. She was the queen. But he thought he was the only one left in Israel that was serving God or that loved God or that had not worshipped idols. And he was wrong. So these are God's instructions for him because he's going to have a replacement. And starting in verse 16, it says, And Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abelmaoela, thou shalt, that's tongue twister, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. It's going to re- get a replacement. Now verses 19 through 21. So he departed thence and so found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was plowing. What was he doing? He was working, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And you know, when we go out to sow the seed, someone has to prepare the ground. If you just go out and throw, throw out seed on ground that's not prepared, you, you can't expect a decent crop. I know out here there's more ranches than farming, but have you, any of you ever done gardening? <laughs> I was talking to Brother Chad this morning, he likes to garden, Amen. And it was telling me about the peppers he was growing and tomatoes and how he likes to make hot sauces. That's neat. That's good to have a hobby like that or maybe a business, however you want to look at it. But uh, you can't just go out there and say, oh, I'm going to sow tomatoes over here and sow carrots over here. You have to prepare the ground first. And so when we go out and preach the gospel, some of us, or preparing the ground, and we may not see a lot of fruit in our lifetime. You may see a lot of fruit, you may not. And the thing with us is we're so impatient. We want to go out and go soul winning and see soul saved right now. I know in in Wisconsin it was all trees. And uh, the first settlers that came into there... They had to get rid of all the, tr- the trees, and then the stumps were in the way. They were using dynamite to blast the stumps out of the ground. Somebody had to pr- do that preparation in order to be able to plant. And now if you go to Wisconsin, you know it's famous for its dairy and its cheeses. Well, those cows have to eat, and so they had to plant crops. Amen. But we go out and prepare the ground. That's what Elisha was doing when Elijah came and found him. He was hard at work preparing the ground, plowing. So some people plow, then others come along and sow the seed. And the Bible says that one man soweth, another man watereth, but it's God that giveth the increase. So you may be preparing the ground, you may be plowing, you may be blasting stumps out of the ground, you may be sowing seed, another man may be watering, but it's not your job to produce the fruit. You just be faithful doing what you're doing, whether it is plowing, sowing, watering, fertilizing, or weeding, or whatever you're doing. You just keep at it. And it's God who gives the increase. And when He gives the increase, that's up to Him. Amen. But, oh, we want... See, we're, we're, we're used to... Right now, we want immediate... Answers, right? We get frustrated with God because He doesn't answer our prayer favorably at the moment. (laughs) We want instant gratification. That's what it's called. Well, don't you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience? But we don't have much of that today. So don't get frustrated, continue plowing, continue blowing those stumps out of the ground, continue sowing, watering, and it's God who's going to give the increase. When? Whenever he sees fit. That's not up to us. Here we'll read in verse 19, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. He knew what was going on. He was going to go say goodbye. A lot of people don't want to get up and go because of the jobs they already have. Or the the business they're involved in. Or maybe you're an entrepreneur and have have a business and you don't want to forsake that to rise and go. Elisha said, Let me go kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow thee. He knew what was happening. No one had to explain it to him. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And, 21, and he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, with the plows. He wasn't planning on going back to plowing, that kind of plowing anymore. It's like burning a bridge after you go over it. There's no turning back. That's what he was doing. And it says here, And boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. A lot of times we want it to be all about us. But here, he forsook his... Job that he had before, his occupation he had before. He he killed the oxen, he cooked the meat, he burned the the plows and all the wooden instruments, and there was no turning back for him. I know here in this church a lot of you have been in the Air Force. My dad was Navy, don't hold that against me. I was never in the military, not in this this world's military. I have a higher calling. <laughs> But my dad was in the Navy, and he had uh, prepared to be an aircraft electrician, and uh, I think he went to school in Jacksonville, Florida, and was later stationed in Pensacola, Florida, where he met my mom. And uh, after completing his, his years of service, then he continued working on those airplanes. He was aircraft electrician and uh, civil service. And he had to quit that job to go to Mexico as a missionary. And that was a good paying job at the time. You would laugh probably nowadays at what they, what they were paying him back then. But back then it was a good paying job. He quit that to go to Mexico as a missionary. And his fellow workers made fun of him, laughed at him, said, you'll be back here begging for a job. They told him, you're going to starve to death in Mexico. What they didn't know is that Mexicans are very friendly and they always invite you over to their houses to eat. (laughs) And down there, they're just very hospitable, you know. They say, well, it's better to show up on time than to be invited. (laughs) And that's just how we live down there. And so it's hard to starve to death when everybody wants to feed you. He never went back asking for his old job back. He died on the mission field. Hit head on by a couple guys in the other vehicle who had been drinking. He never went back. Hey, can I have my old job back? He wasn't looking for his old job back. We have a higher calling. I see Elijah did the same thing. He didn't return trying to go back and, hey, where are those oxen? Well, they're dead. And what about my plow? Well, you burned it. There's no going back. And then Peter, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. What was Peter doing when the Lord called him to be his disciple? To be an apostle? Matthew chapter 4. And beginning in verse 18, we'll read through verse 20. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren... Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. So Gideon was threshing wheat by the winepress. He was hiding from the Midianites. He was working. Elisha was plowing fields, and Peter was fishing. They're all working when the Lord comes by and calls them into full-time ministry. Sometimes parents don't want their children going into ministry. The teens are down at camp this week. What if they come back telling you, oh, God called me to be a preacher, or God called me to be a missionary? Are you going to support that decision? I sure hope so. Part of our ministry in Mexico is a youth camp. And throughout the years, God's called a lot of teenagers to serve him at that place and we give God all honor and glory but it's true <laughs> many pastors, missionaries uh, missionaries' wives come up and tell us God called us to serve him at your camp, up at the camp and that's a blessing what was Peter doing? Fishing verse 19 and he said unto them, he said unto them follow me and I will make you fishers of men and they straightway left their nets and followed him they didn't say, now hold on a minute, we're busy working. Can't you see? We're fishermen. If we don't fish, we starve to death. Mm-hmm. They just dropped everything and immediately followed him. I like that. We need more people like Gideon and Elisha and Peter today. Now we're in the book of Matthew, but I don't want us to see. The passage where the Lord called him. Matthew didn't talk about it himself, which is typical, right? So we have to go to Luke chapter 5. I believe it, it's in the book of Mark too, but we're gonna go to Luke chapter 5. So there are two glasses of water, right? This thought came into my mind because they said that I could preach a long time on two glasses of water. But- <laughs> But uh, my, my motor, my engine doesn't run on water. It runs on that concentrated orange juice you hear about around here. <laughs> Mountain Dew. <laughs> so if I had a couple cans of that, I might could preach all night, but you wouldn't <laughs> like that, would you? <laughs> okay, Luke chapter 5 and verse 27 through 29. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. Levi is Matthew's other name. Sitting at the receipt of custom. What was he doing? His job, he was working. He was a tax collector. Publicans were tax collectors. So what was he doing? Sitting at his job, collecting people's taxes. sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, follow me. But Lord, I have a job. And see, a lot of Americans tell God that exact same thing today. No, no, Lord, I can't can't arise and go. I got a job. I'm important. The world couldn't survive without me if I quit my job. And the Lord said, follow me, and it says, and he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. He invited them, come over to my house tonight, and then had the Lord preach to all of them. Amen. Now let's look at James and John. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. The sons of thunder, Matthew 4, 21 and 22. We're looking at people who were working when God called them into full-time ministry. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, the beloved disciple. They were in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. What were they doing? They were working. They were mending nets. Years ago, I, I spent a year in Ohio, lived with my grandma in Ohio, which I look back fondly on that memory because growing up in Mexico, I didn't see my grandparents very often. So I look back on that, and it was a good, time, a good year that I spent with my grandma. And during that time, I, I needed a job. And so I was putting in applications everywhere, and no one was calling. But finally, I got a job at a grocery store, and I told them I couldn't work on Sundays, that I needed to be in church. Oh, that's no problem. They lie. They lie like a rug. They lie like a dog on a rug. And then I come in, and they schedule me on Sundays. So a friend at church... Uh, he he came up to me one Sunday he said I have a friend that's starting a new landscaping business are you interested in working for him and I said yes I want to go I I would like to work for him and so I I worked for him and uh, that was a blessing that was a blessing and uh, these guys were working they were mending nets they were mending nets. They weren't out fishing. They were doing some preparation work so they could go fishing. And working with, uh, with that landscaper, we weren't out mowing grass the whole time. Sometimes we had to give maintenance to the mowers. So you'd say, help me get up here. We're going to jack this mower up. we got to get the blades off, and we're going to sharpen them. And that's what these guys were doing. They were mending their nets so they could go fishing. You can't go mow grass And uh, mow yards if your blades are dull. Amen. It doesn't cut it. I mean, (laughs) it doesn't cut it. (laughs) Sort of just knocks it over. You know how to tell if your lawnmower blades are dull? The edge of the blade of grass is all jagged. And if they're sharp, it's a clean cut. And so I learned a lot of things working with him, and he taught me how to maintain the the blades, and we'd take them off. And you'd use leather gloves and get them off, and then mount them in that bench vise, and we sharpen them with a file. And these guys were mending their nets. They were busy working. And what? would did the Lord tell them? It says, and He called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Him. But Lord, what about my family? What about my mom and dad? What about my neighbors? What about my children? They left everything, man. That's all I can say. They left everything and dropped what they were doing and followed him. We need more people like that today. And then Paul, who was Saul, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 9. Before his conversion, what was he doing? Persecuting, persecuting the church. And let's read Acts 9, 1 through 6. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we pertain to this way. We belong to this way. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been purchased by His blood. Whether they were men or women, that He might bring them bound into Jerusalem. He was zealous in the work He was doing. He was working, but for the wrong master. We have a family in church Um, They've been with us for maybe four or five years. And the mother of the family taught catechism on Saturdays to the Catholic school children. And they had to come on Saturdays for their Catholic indoctrination. And she was one of the teachers. Their son, Brandon was an altar boy in the Catholic Church for six years of his life from the time he was five years old till the time he was 11. The dad was a drunk and a drug addict and wasn't around the home very much. That whole family came to know the Lord as their personal Savior. Brendan's one of my best helpers. (laughs) His dad finished Bible Institute this year, graduated in May. Mom now teaches children's classes in church. Brandon tells me, I always wanted to serve God. I said, I know, Brandon, you always wanted to serve God. He was thinking of becoming a Catholic priest. If he would have stayed in the Catholic church for one more year, they would have sent him off to seminary. That's not a good place for young boys. It's not. And I told him, Brandon, look what God spared you from, buddy. And I told him, Brandon, you always wanted to serve God. You're just in the wrong church. Brandon finished his first year of Bible Institute back in May. God does amazing things. (laughs) He sure turned Saul around. But Saul was busy. He was working. Doing what he thought was right wasn't right. God had to stop him. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues. That if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he just didn't care. He is breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou these poor saints of mine? No. Doesn't say that, does it? Why persecutest thou me? Because from the time we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, you know we're baptized which means submerged or immersed into his body, and we're part of his body and part of his flesh. No one can ever pull me out of there. It's permanent. (laughs) Verse 5, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? See, Paul, or Saul, wanted to serve God. He was just in the wrong church. And the Lord said unto him, which is the title of the message tonight, Arise and go. Why was he on the ground? Because God showed up. Blinded him. He hit the ground. You and I would as well, I think. I think, I think you should. Yeah. If God shows up, we have an altar here tonight. If God shows up, what should you do? And the Lord tells him, Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So part of the problem Today is laziness. 18 hours a day on the cell phone? How do you even feel a sense of accomplishment or you're just wasting your life away? We need to go to Proverbs. Book of Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 9. Proverbs 6, 9. We're looking at the word arise and the word go tonight. Proverbs 6, look at verse 6. Go. You can't go if you're sitting down. Go to that, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now, what do ants do? They work hard, day and night, around here all summer long, Mexico all year long. Why are they working so hard? To prepare for winter when there's no food. You know that saving is a biblical principle, and borrowing money is not biblical, because then you're just becoming a slave to the lender. That's in the Bible. If you read the Bible, it's in the Bible. And when you save, you can be your own bank. You need money, you borrow from yourself because you have stored up for times of need, like the ant, thou sluggard. The sluggard doesn't want to arise and go, oh, I'm too happy sitting here on my cell phone 18 hours a day. Go, what are you talking about? You crazy. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Which having no guide, overseer or ruler. Now, do we have a guide? Yes. Well, couldn't you do better than the ant? We think we're much wiser than the ants. Yeah, let's go borrow money. And the ant saying, You fool. Which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. And then, verse 9 How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Another problem we have today is that Christians are just asleep. Oh, you might be sitting here with your eyes open, but you're still asleep. Asleep to what's really going on today in the world. Asleep to the need that there is for independent Baptist churches in Colombia and for 83% of Mexicans to be saved. You're still asleep. No amens. That's okay. Let's go to Ephesians 5.14. You're still mad at me because I told you that the aunt was wiser than you because they don't borrow, Right? Ephesians 5, 14. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest. Who says that? God. Awake thou that sleepest, and what are we looking at tonight? What word are we looking at tonight? Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee Light, see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools, and the ant's looking at you saying, fool, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, and yet here we are wasting away time, and the ant looks at us and says, fool, fool. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, Amen. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. What does God want from you? What does God want from us? What does God want from me? Some people just don't care. Let's go back to... Gideon again in Judges chapter 7. Who's your master? Who are you serving? Back to the book of Judges chapter 7. And verse 9. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise. Now I found him working, but now... Here in chapter 7, you, all of you know, probably know the story where they had to go and bow down on, and drink water. And, got, and it was a test, and only 300 men passed the test. So now we're down to those 300, and it's the night of the battle. And Gideon's receiving instructions from the Lord. And the Lord's telling him, verse 9, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. It's time for battle. You can't fight a battle sitting down. Well, you might, but you're going to lose. And so he had to get up and go down there. Look at verse 10. But if thou fear to go down, go down with Phura thy servant down to the host. Down to the enemy's encampment, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hand be strengthened to go down into the host. The news was gonna what he heard down there was gonna encourage him for the battle. Then went he down with Fura his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley, like grasshoppers for multitude. And remember, they would come every year and steal all their food. You like it when someone steals your food? Boy, that's one of the worst things. I work construction, too. On the job site, you don't mess with the man's food. You don't (laughs) mess with his lunchbox. You don't touch his lunchbox. You don't steal his food because there's going to be a fight. Well, these enemies would come in and steal all their food every year. And their camels were without number. Large enemy, large amount of enemy. And they used their camels also for fighting. And there were so many you couldn't count them. And God was planning on delivering all that enemy into the hands of 300 men. How's that possible? With God, all things are possible. Verse 13, and when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and it came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay, lay long, lay long. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And look at verse 15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise! You can't fight a battle sitting down you know we're all, well, we're supposed to be soldiers in God's army. And we fight a spiritual warfare. We were learning about it during the week of EBS, weren't we? In Ephesians chapter 6. Soldiers don't fight sitting down. You got to get up and you got to go. And Gideon had to get up and go to the battlefield. And now he's telling his soldiers, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Sometimes we as Christians, we feel like we're outnumbered. We feel like we're not enough, like we're too few to accomplish the great work that's out, out here. But God can use a small amount of people to do amazing things if you're just willing and obedient what do you got to do? Arise and go. People aren't going to get saved when you're sitting at your house watching TV. What do you got to do? Arise and go. Let's go to First Kings chapter 16. Why are you preaching this, Brother Jones? I'm a missionary. People out there aren't going to get saved if we just keep sitting around in our father's house enjoying all the food and fellowship. I want to inspire more people to arise, get up and go. First Kings 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Baasha, saying, For as much as I exalted thee out of the dust, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins, behold, I will take away the posterity of Basha, and the posterity of his house, and will make thy house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Him that dieth of Basha in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth in his field shall the fowls of the air eat. Now the rest of the acts of Baasha and what he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Basha slept with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah, and Elah his son reigned in his stead. And also by the hand of the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, came the word of the Lord against Basha and against his house, even for all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord and provoking him to anger with the work of his hands in being like the house of Jeroboam and because he killed him. In the 20th and 6th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Elah the son of Baasha to reign over Israel in Tirzah for two years. And his son Zimri, the captain of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Tirzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of of Arza, steward of his house in Tirzah. And Zimri went in and smote him and killed him in the 20th, 20 and 7th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his stead. I'm thinking I probably wrote something down wrong here. Because we're supposed to be reading about Samuel, and we're not. <laughs> anyway messed up on writing something down there. Let's go to the next one, uh, Elijah, and 1 Kings 21, 1 Kings 21, verses 18 and 19. But anyway, God told Samuel to arise and go, too. I just wrote down the wrong passage. And here we're going to read about Elijah. And in verse 17, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And verse 19, And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou, hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And the Lord told him to arise and go, and he had a message for Ahab, and it wasn't a pleasant message. I bet instead of First Kings, it's probably supposed to be First Samuel. Yep, that's what it is. The Lord told him to arise and go. He had to anoint uh, David. Okay, and it is 1 Samuel 16. We're just going to read verses 12 and 13. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So even sometimes when we're already serving God, he'll tell you, get up and go, arise and go, and God prodding you along to, to serve him. And he wanted God, he wanted Samuel to go anoint David to be the next king. Now again, about Elijah, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 1. We have a very interesting, very interesting passage, 2 Kings chapter 1, and let's begin in verse 3. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, arise, go up. And here we are, sitting around, no one's getting up, no one's going, wasting time. Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there's no God in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ek- or Ekron? Woo. And look in verse 2. And Isaiah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub. And people are inquiring of the wrong idol, you could say, or God, but with a small g. Instead of inquiring of the God with a capital G. Go and inquire of Beelzebub. Who knows who that is? Well, Baal means Lord. Beelzebub means Lord of the flies. Who is it? Remember when the Pharisees told Jesus that he was casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub? Yep, that's Satan. Satan's the Lord of the flies. How many of you like flies? I hate them. (laughs) Drive you nuts. And they went to inquire of Beelzebub. The king sent him to inquire of Beelzebub. He says, whether I shall recover of this disease. Well, he might have had a chance to recover, but he inquired of the wrong God. So the true God said, you know what? You're not going to recover, buddy. But why? You sent to, instead of sending to inquire of me, what are you doing sending these men to inquire of Beelzebub? Satan, you're asking him whether you're going to survive or not. So that upset the Lord. And he told Elijah, Arise, go up. Get up and go. I've got a job for you. you no, know God has a job for you? you got to get up and go. Verse 4. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are ye now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? From that bed on which thou art gone up, thou shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, See, God sent Elijah on a mission. He was an hairy man with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite, the prophet, the man of God. Then the king said sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50, 51 people to come arrest Elijah. And you know they weren't able to arrest him? And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill, and he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king has said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven, and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven, and consumed him and his fifty. Again also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly." And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. So 102 people are dead. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. Well, how many men are you willing to lose, king? God wasn't happy that he inquired or sent men to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees. Now that's the right attitude. Before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants, not the king's servants, thy servants, be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burn up the two captains of the former 50s with their fifties, therefore let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, go down with him, be not afraid of him. And he arose and went. Got to get up and go. They were wanting to arrest him. But do you think he needed to be afraid? (laughs) God was on his side. When you get up and go to serve God, you don't need to be afraid. God's on your side. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, it is not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word. Therefore thou hast not come down off that bed, thou shalt not come down off that bed, which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 8. And here we won't find the words arise and go, but Isaiah volunteered. How many volunteers we have here tonight? In Isaiah 6, 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. God didn't have to beg him. God didn't have to plead with him for years and years on end. Send him to a hundred camps. You know, hoping the Lord will work in his heart. He volunteered immediately. When he knew there was a need and that God needed someone. And God said, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? He He didn't say, hey, send this guy next to me. Send the guy down the street. Send those people from the other church. He volunteered immediately. We need more of that today. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Arise and go. You aren't going to win battles sitting down. Sitting at the table. Feeding on the word. It's good. But hey, at some time... Isn't it time to get up and go to work now? Are you just going to sit there feasting all the time? You know, the church is a place of training. David prayed and asked the Lord, teach my hands to fight. Just going to church all the time, all the time, never doing anything is like, going to college all your life and never graduating and never actually getting a job and never actually putting what you learn in college to to work, to make money. No, you're just in college full time. There are Christians like that. Continually in the place of training all the time and never get up and go. Talking about getting up and going to serve God. God. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. And it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, under the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So from reading those verses, I just want to tell you that the prophet Jeremiah was very good friends with the king Josiah who began to reign when he was eight years old. And uh, he sought God and pleased God uh, throughout the time he was king, but later on he became sick and, and died. And so the book of Lamentations in the Bible is written by Jeremiah lamenting the death of the king who was his friend. So if you read Lamentations, read it knowing that Jeremiah wrote it and it's Lamentations, sorrow, lamenting the death of the king who was his friend. And they were working together because they both loved the Lord and they were both serving the Lord. And it's the king and the prophet working side by side to, and the Lord working through them to accomplish what they accomplished in Israel in those days. Which was a great revival. Verse 4 Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. And many times we see people come up with excuses, right? Moses did that too. He said, well, I can't speak. Uh, I st- 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 stutter. <laughs> so God gave him Aaron to be his mouth, his his mouthpiece. And a lot of times when God calls us to do something, we're good at coming up with lots of excuses to not rise and arise and go. We happy around the table. But the Lord said unto me, "Say not I am a child." And I've heard. From, we have a Bible Institute, and when, from teaching through the books, they, they suggest that Jeremiah was about 20 years old at this time. It's not a child. So if he was 20 at the time, what was it then? Excuses, and we're full of them. Anything I can say to not have to get up and go. For thou shalt go. To all that I shall send thee, and who and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. You can speak. Be not afraid of their faces, brethren. (laughs) Amen. You're afraid to go up and knock on a door? What's the worst they can do? What's the worst they're going to do to you? Spit in your face? or Hit you with a flip-flop? or? Curse you out, which happened to us last Saturday. What's the worst they're gonna to do to you? Shoot you? Boy, you're really scary with glory. <laughs> What's the worst they can do? Where are you afraid? Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And if he does not like the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. Well, if he doesn't deliver us, then so be it. But we're not going to bow down and serve your idols. Amen. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. That's what we do today. We're not preaching our own words. We're preaching God's words. See, I have... This day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's Jeremiah. Let's go to look to the book of Ezekiel chapter 3 and verse 22. We'll read verses 22 and 23. And the hand of the Lord was there upon me, and he said unto me, Arise, go, go forth into the plain, and I will there talk with thee. Sometimes, if we want to fellowship with the Lord, we got to get up and go somewhere. Sometimes we got to get away from the noises of the household, go up to the mountain and pray. You got to get away from all the commotion from the TV, leave your cell phone at home and go to meet up with God and have some fellowship with God. Again, let's read it again, verses 22 and 23. And the hand of the Lord was there upon me. It's a wonderful thing when God's hand is upon you. And he said unto me, arise, go forth into the plain and I will there talk with thee we got to get to that place of fellowship. Then I arose and went. <laughs> we're seeing people who were obedient. Today we're seeing people who are not obedient. Frustrating for preachers. Frustrating for missionaries when we don't see any new missionaries coming to the field and people dying and going off into eternity without ever knowing the Lord as their personal Savior. Verse 23, then I rose and went forth into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory which I saw by the river of Kibar, and I fell on my face. Jonah, you're all familiar with this story. I won't dwell very long there, so let's go to the book of Jonah. Chapter 1. verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai saying arise go. Arise go. Go to Nineveh. Ooh, Nineveh. Oh Lord, but that's our enemies. Oh Lord, but that's the that's the Assyrians. You know why they are called Assyrians? Because at the beginning, their capital city was Asher, Ashur, also the name of the idol they worship. And later on, Nineveh came into prominence and was the capital. But that's the Syrians. They were vicious people, vicious warriors. They were farmers part of the year, but then time for war came around, and I guess after they took in their harvest, it was time for war. It was a thing they did yearly. They were vicious. And they came in, you know, and had no mercy upon their enemies. Lord Nineveh, Nineveh? Lord, Colombia? Aren't they famous for drugs down there? Mexico? Mexico? Aren't there cartels down there? Arise and go. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. Enemies of Israel, they had come and attacked the northern kingdom, the northern ten tribes. Vicious, vicious. Total destruction. And some of the Syrians would settle there and They would also take captives back with them to their their cities. One time we had a visiting preacher in Mexico, and he preached a message that God's a God of second chances. And so he gives Jonah a second opportunity to obey. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, you know what God tells him? The exact same thing he told him the first time. And let's go and read it. Jonah chapter 3, 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. This time Jonah's more willing. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh, see, arise and go. <laughs> so Jonah arose and went. Now he's willing. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. From when you started walking through the city to the time you exited on the other side, a three-day journey. Now let's go to the book of Acts. We all need to be sensitive to the Lord, right? And to when he speaks. You know, some of us have too much noise in our lives. Acts chapter 8. So much noise in our lives that when God speaks, we don't hear him. And we were talking about Elijah, and remember, God wasn't in the earthquake, God wasn't in the fire, God wasn't in the wind. It says, and then a still, small voice. And that's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. But a lot of us never hear him. We've got too much going on in our lives to pay attention to what God has to say. And so, God's there speaking to you, but you never hear him. That's sad. But Philip, he he heard, he heard, let's go to Acts 8.26. Acts 8.26. And we'll read, we'll read a few verses here. But this is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, what's it say? Everybody, what's it say? Arise. Arise and go. You don't just stand up there and still stand there. Arise and go. Toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, Gaza which is desert. And he arose and went. We're seeing a lot of obedient people here in the scriptures. And behold, a man of of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So Philip's able to lead him to the Lord. Why? Because he was attentive to the voice of God, to the voice of the Lord when God told him, Arise and go. And a lot of us were just sitting around, sitting around, sitting around. We never arise and we never Go. That's sad. And then let's go to Acts 9, 6. And what did the Lord tell Saul? Arise and go in verse 6. And then not only Saul, but Ananias as well. Look here in verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him saith the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. He is listening, he heard, God speaks to him, and he says, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go. Arise and go into the street, which is called straight. See, instructions. Ananias was a godly man, already served the Lord, and the Lord tells him, Arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he... And so, he was able to pray for Saul, and let's look there in verse, let's look at verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said unto him, "'Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings.' and the children of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake and then you know last but not least god tells us to arise as well and let's go back to ephesians 5 ephesians 5 and verse 14 wherefore he saith awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. God wants us to arise. It says, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. God wants us to arise and go. Let's go to James, the book of James, and then we're going to finish here in the book of James, chapter 1. So a lot of us only want to be hearers of the word and not doers. Doers. The Bible says we deceive our own selves. We deceive ourselves. And let's read there in James one twenty one through verse 25. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. God uses clean vessels. So some, some saints aren't willing to lay aside. They're not really saints, are they? Because saint means separated. Set apart. And so if you're not set apart, God's not going to use you. And you're happy there. You're like, well, let someone else do it then. I'm going to continue on in my sin. That's a problem. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, arise and go. You can't do just sitting here. I'm not telling you to leave your church if God doesn't call you to the mission field. I'm not telling you to leave your church, but get up and serve him. Yeah, get up and serve him, and God may call some of you to get up and go somewhere else and plant a church or go to a foreign field as a missionary. What should you, what should you do? Get up and go <laughs> with the blessings of your pastor and the blessings of your church. Amen. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We have a lot of hearers and not very many doers. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, looking in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. and After a while you forget what you saw. And we're like that when we read the scriptures. And oh, I'm a wicked Sinner, and then I walk away from it, and then forget what I saw. Like, I'm not that bad of a person. (laughs) For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So, what should we do, church? What what would we see tonight in the scriptures? Maybe God's calling some of you to rise and go, maybe all of you, and stop wasting time, redeeming the time for the days are evil, and they're evil. So, what should you do about it? Well, would they be as evil if more of them were Christians, if they were in church? They're like-minded, loving God and praising God, worshiping God and obeying God. This would be a better world, wouldn't it? What do we got to do? Arise and go. I didn't say how far. It could just be rapid. It could just be South Dakota. It could just be the U.S. But boy, I wish it would be Mexico (laughs) or Colombia where there's not one independent Baptist church in the whole state. That'd be wonderful. What do we gotta do? Arise and go, arise and go. Let's all stand.